This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. From North State Public Radio in Northern California, I'm Jennifer Jewell. The subject of native plants is so important to me. No matter where you live, I'm a firm believer you should know and love and advocate for your native plants, the local plants, the regional natives, the state natives, and so forth. They thrived in this spot you call home for so many reasons, and in their journey is so much for us to learn. Across the U.S., as well as in other countries, native plant societies convene people interested in learning about and doing what they can to support and protect native plants. The complex layers of specific plant communities and the significant remaining native landscapes. Of all the native plant societies I've had the privilege of belonging to, the California Native Plant Society stands out in its scope, in its vision, in its reach. Every three years in February, the CNPS, as they are affectionately known, host a conservation conference attended by plant people, scientists, educators, and advocates from around the world. In February of 2018, this conference will be held in the Los Angeles area, and this week on Cultivating Place, we're joined by Dan Glusenkamp, the executive director of the CNPS, and Leave O'Keefe, the director of marketing and communications for this large and diverse organization representing a large and diverse group of people and plants who call California home. Dan and Leave join us via Skype from their offices to tell us more about the mission and work of the CNPS and the importance of this upcoming conservation conference. Welcome, Dan and Leave. Hi, thank you, Jennifer. Thanks for having us. Leave, give us a, a, a little bit of background on you and what brought you to the Native Plant Society sure. in, your, in your life. Yeah. Sure. I've always been um, a plant lover, I think, since I was a little girl and come from a family of Swedish farmers, in, I think, in my ancestry, and I think that's just in there, and um, have tried to and wanted to garden since I was very, very young. Um, and I think where native plants started coming into the picture for me was as an adult and a gardener and a parent, um, going on hikes with my children and wanting to understand what I was seeing and teach them what I was seeing became something really important to me. And I think once you start to see and understand what's around you in your natural environment, where you live, um, you want those things around you in your garden too, if you're a gardener. And um, I started reading about native plants, learned about California Native Plant Society, this was 20 years ago even, mm -hmm. and um, joined the local chapter and started planting California natives and started to see how it changed my garden and the environment um, that I had at home. Um, you know, seeing the hummingbirds that came, um, the new insects that were arriving in my garden, seeing plants like California fuchsia, blue-eyed grass survive um, even the hottest summers and um, it became just really enjoyable for me and part of what it meant to garden and um, and it was really interwoven with family and parenting and children for me too because um, that was something I shared with my kids and 
we spend a lot of time touching and smelling and naming and being with those plants. So um, my professional life was in corporate marketing and communications. And I had, you know, a big job in that area and a lot of stress and a lot of travel. And I saw a job open up with California Native Plant Society. And I felt like it was time to make that change in my life and get closer to what I love. So that's yeah. what brought me here. That's a good, that's a good reason to go where you want to go, right? It is. Yeah. It is. It's a great opportunity. Dan, I'd like to get started with you and have you tell us a little bit about your own background and what brought you to, what what developed you in this life as a plant person and what ultimately led your journey to being the, at the helm of the Native Plant Society? Well, you know, I'm really lucky to be part of CNPS. I've, I've loved CNPS for many, many years. It's been a formative organization in my personal growth and my professional journey. Um, and when the opportunity came up to actually work for CNPS, I jumped at it. And it's been five years and a little bit of change, and I'm still just loving every day. It's an incredible organization. Much of what we love about California um, has been saved because of CNPS and CNPSers. And um, even though we're facing some challenges right now, there's also tremendous opportunities. And it's just a super exciting time to be part of this group and part of a, a really large community of native plant lovers and gardeners and scientists who are all kind of working together. Did you grow up in California, Dan? I did. I was born in another state that I prefer not to mention. Uh, but my <laughs> folks had the good sense to, my mom was a California girl, grew up in San Jose and dragged the family back from the Midwest when I was just a year or so old. So I've been fortunate to grow up in California. I grew up in Fallbrook, a little nowhere town in Southern California, uh, a small little kind of family farm, avocado grove with lime trees. And so we were surrounded by trees, by plants, um, even though they were you know, irrigated and tended, they were still fairly wild. And it was remote enough that we didn't have too many other distractions and my brother and I and whatever whatever neighbor kids could show up just spent our days out running through the forest, throwing oranges at each other and digging around and connecting with nature at just a visceral level. Yeah, which is always the best level. But what were some of the, if you can remember, what were some of the earliest native plants you made particular friends with? Well, you know, it took a long time before I really realized that they were my friends. The native plants that I really bond with when I go back home are um, the plants that we find in the chaparral, those sages, the really fragrant plants. Mm. At the time, they were just the plants of the background. Um, the plants I was more personally interested in at the time were little garden plants that um, I learned I could just kind of cut and stick in some water and root up. I really remember, um, you know, my, my early career choices were all over the place. I wanted to be an artist and paint, even though I have no ability. And, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, as a six or a seven-year-old, I wanted to study rocks. And at some point, I remember pulling these little garden plants up and cutting them into bits and rooting them up. And I think that was probably when, when I got kind of obsessed with the idea, really the idea of making more plants. And it's interesting to hear you speak about um, your childhood memories and the plants that have 
some, you know, some of the, the visual or tactile memory for you, including the avocados and the citrus and the, you know, throwing oranges at each other. And I think that for most of us, the development of our plant love comes from just loving plants. And we don't differentiate for, for many years as to what is native or non-native. They are just what is in our vicinity. But then at a certain point, especially as we get older and or if we are plant people, there becomes this differentiation. And the I would say that most native plant enthusiasts that I know just have a general love of plants, but they have a specific love for native plants. And this is what comes out in the work of native plant societies and CNPS is that there's nothing wrong with any plant or with where it comes from or its, you know, background, but there is this particular affection for the native plants. Tell us a little bit of history about the CNPS as an organization and why it became an important mission to educate and advocate about our native plants specifically rather than plant love generally, Dan. Yeah, you make such a good point. I totally have to agree with you. There is no such thing as a bad plant. Every plant is a blessing. (laughs) There are no bad plants. We love all of these things. But there are some plants that are maybe a little bit more special, maybe just a little bit more needing of our care, maybe a little bit more singular. And certainly, you know, for us, um, all plants have merit for the pollinators that evolved on these things, for the wildlife that depends on a certain species of plant, um, they can be much more picky than us. Yeah. And so a lot of native plant lovers are really about that, about um, not just preserving their own sense of place, but about preserving the plants that are necessary for the other organisms in the ecosystem. Yeah. And CNPS is really kind of part of what attracts me to the organization, what attracted me to the organization 20, 30 years ago, um, is this sensibility, this understanding. CNPS started with this weird amalgamation of scientists, gardeners, flower lovers, who got together to save a globally important botanical garden in the Berkeley Hills, a place run by a real curmudgeonly character um, who had gone out during the beginning of the bulldozer era, digging up the last of this plant and the last of that plant and bringing them back to his garden. And so when folks got word that the garden was to be shut down, Um, they rallied to support this gardener and to save the place. And that included the scientists who were valuing these plants because it's one of a kind and they needed to study them. Um, It included the gardeners, the, you know, the folks who would volunteer for the garden, pulling weeds or planting this and that. It included a really wide array of people. They were successful. They saved the garden. It's there today. It's glorious, the Botanic Garden at Tilden. Afterwards, they were so excited with their accomplishment, they had this sense of energy, and they had meetings where they got together to discuss what they should do with this coalition that they built. And they decided that California needed a native plant society. And so in 1965, they started the California Native Plant Society. And that really kind of, we've continued that tradition ever since. It's a a very odd organization. It's something of a professional organization for scientists who are trying to understand um, one of the world's 34 biodiversity hotspots, California. Mm-hmm. It's also um, includes um, a ton of gardeners, people, people who appreciate the science, but really what they're into is gardening. And it includes um, conservation activists, grassroots supporters who are fighting to save places. And all of these folks combine. In many cases, you'll have someone who is a professional gardener, but their involvement in CNPS is focused on conservation. 
Um, or you'll have a professional um, botanist, but they get involved in CNPS leading garden tours. It's something where gardening, science, and conservation are all in our DNA. Um, they all combine in a way and, and make it a lot of fun, make it very interesting, and I think give it power to endure for 52 years. I love this description of, of how diverse the reasons are for people to belong and how even kind of unlikely its beginnings were um, in that saving of, of the one garden. I think that diversity kind of mirrors the diversity of, of the ecosystems we're talking about and this web of life that we are trying to um, support and in some cases protect and in some cases manage. Talk about the structure of the society in terms of the different branches, the the chapters, the and then some of the maybe the major outreach that the society undertakes each year. Because, you know, there's certainly a social as well as a political as well as an educational scientific mission. Yeah, you know, it's a really interesting organization. We've got 35 chapters around California and Baja California. And that's where a lot of the work gets done in CNPS. Those are run by volunteers. They put in they put in something like 100,000 hours a year of really good labor, um, delivering field trips, going on rare plant treasure hunts, mapping vegetation, doing garden tours, um, teaching workshops, giving talks, all this kind of stuff. And so chapters are part of the greatest strength of CNPS mm -hmm. and where much of the work gets done. We also have a professional staff based in Sacramento, but really living all over the state, very highly distributed organization. Um, somewhere around 25 staff, about half of them are plant scientists, and the other half involved in horticulture, outreach, and administration of the org. Um, and then and then we, we are something of kind of a platform for conservation in California. Uh, we partner with a lot of other organizations and for-profit firms like nurseries um, to really kind of keep moving this moving this native plant revolution forward. We, you know, 40, 50 years ago, um, putting a native plant garden in was just an odd idea. If you did that at your house, you'd have a lot of explaining to do. Your neighbors would come up and complain about the weeds, and you'd have to explain why you have a native plant garden and what native plants are and all that kind of stuff. Over the last few decades, we've successfully kind of won the revolution to make native plant gardens acceptable. Now, most people know what a native plant garden is. Many cities or municipalities or water districts are sending out flyers encouraging people to plant native plants. We've kind of succeeded at that. It's really because we have all of these thousands of grassroots ambassadors out there talking to their neighbors and yeah. talking to people and explaining how their garden is attracting pollinators and butterflies and, and really kind of you know helping to do a cultural change that's yielded some really good benefits for California. I'm Jennifer Jewell, and this is Cultivating Place. I've lived, gardened, hiked, and camped in interior Northern California for more than 10 years now, and I fall in love with it a little more every day. Its oak trees, its grasslands, its foothills, and alpine regions defined by time and geology and weather patterns. The floristic region as a whole is one of the world's biodiversity hotspots, and as gardeners, we could not be more blessed with native plant diversity to work with and wonder at. Today, we're speaking with Dan Glusenkamp and Lee O'Keefe of the California Native Plant Society, one of the largest and most influential native plant advocacy organizations in the world. 
Every three years, the CNPS convenes a conservation conference for plant scientists and educators of all varieties to share knowledge, to inform, and to inspire. We'll be right back after a break to hear more about the CNPS and its upcoming conference. Stay with us. This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. We're back after a break to speak more with Dan Glusenkamp and Lee O'Keefe of the California Native Plant Society. The CNPS is hosting its conservation conference about the state of native plants in January and February of 2018 in the Los Angeles area. Welcome back. I certainly see that on the ground in my region where uh, my three closest chapters, so the Shasta chapter and then the Mount Lassen chapter and the Redbud chapter are all ones that I can interact with pretty easily. They have such fantastic offerings in terms of monthly programs, in terms of taking part in the, the hikes and field trips and rare plant hunts every year, um, as well as the garden tour. So I would say that is very reflective of what you are saying in terms of what it looks like on the ground, that just in the last five years, our chapter here, the Lassen chapter, has partnered with our local Audubon Society and have hosted a garden tour that would not have been possible even 10 years ago when I first moved to the area. And I I think we have something like 30 gardens on the tour um, two years ago. And that that is a remarkable you know, shift in um, both awareness and in appreciation in our community just up here. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, you're really lucky. Those are some good chapters. Mm-hmm. Redbud is doing great conservation work and some really good rare plant science. And, and Lassen and Mount Shasta chapter are both doing fantastic work promoting native plant gardening. Yeah. You know, beyond the chapters and the professional staff, just kind of looking at kind of the big, the big program areas that we do, um, we, we do plant science, we, we do mapping of rare plants and plant communities to try and understand what we have in California, where things are. And then we apply that science to figure out where the most important places are, where the most sensitive species are, and, and conserve those. Um, work on legislation or um, uh, getting involved in large-scale project planning for development or solar or whatever, doing conservation. That's kind of our second big program area and kind of the heart of CNPS in many ways. And then the public outreach stuff, of which horticulture is really the king, um, is the other third big division of CNPS. And that includes teaching people native plant gardening, um, providing resources to schools to put in gardens, all that kind of stuff. It also includes a, a very strong education component, teaching plant science workshops to professionals and gardening workshops for the public giving student research grants to, to folks who are in college or a grad school um, looking to build a career in this field, um, doing all manners of education, including publishing books and the beautiful magazines that we do. So why? Why do you map native plants and why do you look for sensitive environments or areas? What, what is the importance of that work in your mind? So probably the best answer is that to scientists, California is a globally significant place. Mm-hmm. It's one of 34 biodiversity hotspots. That means it has more species than than any other place, um, and it's got it's got a greater variety of plant types. For example, California has more plants than any other state in the union. We actually have more rare plants than most states have plants. 
So we have something really special here, something that, you know, attracts people from all over the world, not just to see Joshua trees and sequoias and, and California poppies, but just to see the sheer diversity of what we have. We've really been blessed. At the same time, we have a lot of people here and people take up space and we bulldoze places and we put in parking lots. And if we don't know where our plants are, if we don't have a sense of what is most sensitive, what is most likely to get driven extinct, then we can't really do good planning as we grow in California. Even, even, even well-intentioned things like putting in large solar panel arrays in the desert to fight climate change um, can have big negative impacts if we lack the information on where our rare plants are. So at a fundamental level, we gotta map these things just to be sure we don't step on them. Yeah. You know, to be honest, most of us actually do that stuff just because it's really fun and it's really interesting. We've got a program, a project called our Rare Plant Treasure Hunt, where we identify data gaps. We know that there's rare plants in an area, but we don't know exactly where they are. Or we have some other reason to go out and look for these plants. So we'll pick a site, um, put a call out for volunteers, train them to identify the plants that we're looking for and any other rare plants that might be in the area, and then scour the landscape looking for them. And in five years of searching, we identified about 2,500 populations of rare plants. About a third of those were new. So this is really, it's really easy to do, it's really fun, it's a great way to engage people in the work. And at the end of it, we have data that we didn't have before, and we can make sound decisions about you know, where to put the things that we're building in California. Yeah, and where not to put them. Yeah, and it's, you know, and biodiversity is kind of a, it's a, it's a interesting term. Biodiversity sounds fairly technical. It just means the diversity of life. Um, the easiest is to talk about number of species. In California, our species are also very unique. Um, more than half of our species are found nowhere else on the planet, and that's really important. That means that we are stewards for something special. And when I look at, you know, folks building rocket ships to go to Mars and all that kind of stuff, um, the excitement over terraforming other planets, the truth of the matter is that we are never going to find a living planet like Earth. We have such an incredible posterity here. We're going to be stuck on this rock for as long as there are humans. And these plants, they are a raw material. They are the engineering food stock that we are going to be using for hopefully thousands of years, hopefully humans are around for a long time. We're going to be depending on the, the genes that these plants have evolved. Each plant is the descendant of a billion generations of organisms that have all figured out how to live on planet Earth. In one year, there's a drought, and all the plants that are susceptible to that die, except for those that have the gene to be able to survive that kind of drought. The next year, it's too wet. Everything dies except for the ones that have the genes to survive that, that wet stuff. The next year, there's a fungus outbreak. Everything dies except those genes that survive. And you do that over a billion years, and you've got a treasure trove of secrets for how to live on a really interesting, complicated planet. Humans are gonna be living here for a good while, and we're gonna need those secrets. Right now, we're just learning how to read those books. These plants that are out there, only now are we just starting to be able to look at their DNA and try and take some guesses of, about what these little sequences do. But over the next decades, over the next few hundred years, over the next thousands of years, we're really going to be depending on these to build everything that we need to build. And so there is just beyond the moral reason for saving these things, beyond just the fundamental aesthetics that we like a diverse and interesting world, there's just fundamental self-preservation thing here. As we warm the climate, as we change rainfall, as we introduce new diseases, we're going to value those genes that tell us how to survive these things. And so, um, really, there's a reason for everyone to get involved in saving California plants. 
again, I want to say that you know the first and 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 most authentic reason is just because it's really satisfying and fun. Yeah, and yeah, the 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 beauty and the emotional and spiritual connection that we get from these plants and these communities and those stories they hold, uh, whether they're of scientific use to us or if they are just of what it means to be alive, I, I think are, are so valuable. And that idea of the biodiversity, it comes with so many connections because it's not just that we have more um, rare plant species or, or more species than anybody, which we do, but those species are associated with a correlating amount of diversity in birds and reptiles and invertebrates and microorganisms and mammals and climates and geology that all have their own stories as well, things to teach us. And so it's this whole web that uh, we need to figure out how to play more hmm, respectfully and gently with, right? Yeah, yeah. So talk about the conservation conference coming up because this is one of the kind of landmark outreach aspects of the CNPS that takes all of that information and all of that intelligence and all of that energy and knowledge and brings it into one place at one time in order to move things forward in, in a kind of an even bigger way than is happening on the on the ground every day in the state. Yeah, the 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 big conservation conference is coming up February 1st in LA and it's it's I th I'm fairly certain that it's the largest conservation conference in California. Um, it's there's nothing like it. It's really just incredibly fun. CNPS is first and foremost a society and this is where the society comes together and laughs and has some fun and shares information. Um, and talks about what they've been doing for the last three years. We do these conferences every three years. Just like CNPS, it's really, it's really very multifaceted. This year, we've got three featured tracks. There's one for native plant gardeners. There's a track for plant scientists. And then, of course, there's one for conservationists. Um, in reality, these are just um, false constructs. And in truth, people are going to be mixing and matching their schedules um, as all of these pieces intersect and someone's going to be interested in a talk about poppies in one room and then want to run over and watch a talk on oaks in another room. Um, but that's something we want to get across that really here, conservation, plant science, and native plant gardening are inseparable. They all, they all combine, interdigitate, and support each other. So that's, that's part of why we're excited to have Doug Tallamy as our opening speaker at this event. Um, if anyone, you know, if any of your listeners know Doug, um, you, you know that he's done a beautiful job of talking and writing about this intersection between the science, the conservation, and gardening. Um, recommend, you know, get on YouTube and check out what he said, and then come on down to L.A. February 1st and uh, and see what he has to say at the conference. And he has a couple of wonderful, wonderful native plant gardening books, um, and they're sort of native plant and nature appreciation. Bringing nature home is, um, I think, his most signature work um, and absolutely worth getting. And I'm hoping that he will be a guest on the program um, sometime in uh, December prior to the conference as well to talk more about that. The 
I really, even though it's it, it might be an artificial construct, I think that the uh, three pathways of information and interest level at the conservation conference, the conservation path, the plant science path, and the horticulture path, I think really gives a strong indication that there is something of interest for everybody there. And so I was really happy to see that level of attention given to the, the program, um, you know, the, the preliminary program that came out. Um, besides Doug Tallamy, what are, what are some of the other things that people will be uh, able to take part in and be part of at the, at the conference? Yeah, well, before the conference, we've got two days of field trips and workshops. And, you know, if you go to cnps.org and check out our website, you'll find information about all of that kind of stuff. The meat of the conference, of course, is is the sessions at which we have speakers come and present 20-minute talks about, in many cases, about their research, in other about insights. The sessions are focusing on everything from rare plants to grasslands and prairies to oaks in California, which are always interesting, especially in this time of change. Mm. We've got a number of sessions focusing on climate change. Um, we've got some sessions focusing on managing lands and restoration. Um, a bunch of sessions focusing on vegetation and plant communities and rare natural communities. Um, sessions focusing on fire, uh, both as a threat and as an important element of these ecosystems. So there's going to be some really interesting philosophy going on in there. Mm -hmm. We've got a whole block of four sessions, a day long in one room, focusing on chaparral, one of California's most special and unique California, uniquely Californian ecosystems. Uh, chaparral session is going to be really well attended. We've got a couple sessions focusing on pathogens and pests, which many of, many of your listeners probably understand that there are some interesting new diseases coming up in California that we need to figure out how to live with. And so at the 2015 conference, we really opened a conversation about that. Over the last three years, tremendous progress has been made in trying to figure out how to deal with some of these new diseases. So It'll be these... very interesting to see this community come back together in February at the 2018 conference, report on their progress and, and make plans for how they're going to accomplish more in the next three years. So um, when you're when you're talking about the the pathogens and pests, would we specifically hope to hear things about Phytophthora and sudden oak death and um, you know some of the issues with the the sequoias? Yeah, exactly. In the pathogens and pests session, there will be a number of talks focusing on Phytophthora, both sudden oak death, the disease that has ravaged our oaks, and also other Phytophthoras, kind of more newly discovered diseases of plants, including plants in nurseries. So that's mm -hmm. rather interesting. Mm. There's also going to be discussions of um, several different types of beetles that have been causing tree death, in particular in Southern California, but moving north and threatening a lot of plants. Um, it'll be really interesting. You know, for a lot of people, the highlight of the conference is the incredible student participation. CNPS is really diverse, and anywhere you go, any kind of CNPS event that you attend is going to look totally different from every other. If you go to a board meeting at someone's house, you're going to diff you're going to see a different set of CNPSers than if you go to a plant sale or a garden tour. At the conference, that's really where you see the young professionals and the students who are learning this stuff. Um, at the last conference, we had record attendance by students, and and thanks to funding from our chapters, we were able to give free scholarships to every student who applied for one, um, so that they can come and participate in this thing, give their talks, learn about their field, make connections, find jobs for when they graduate, all that kind of stuff. Excellent. 
That is fantastic um, modeling, right? And and growing up of the next generation of people who are going to lead some of this work forward. Yeah, they've they've got a tough job ahead of them. They need our support. Are there still scholarships available for the upcoming conference? And will information be available on the website for um, people who are just beginning in the field that might be interested in attending? Yeah, absolutely. So for any kind of information about the conference, folks should go to conference.cnps.org. Everything you need is there. Registration is open now, and folks are registering. We're in the early stages of working out the student scholarships. Chapters are making their decisions right now about how much they want to put into the put into the pool to fund these student registration scholarships. It's all in the works. Um, students can apply for their discount um, through October 30th, I think. Anyway, the information is on the website. Um, I think it's all coming together great and very fast. We're, we're definitely <laughs> hopping here at the office. I bet you are. Early registration ends at the end of October, is that correct? Exactly. Halloween. I'm Jennifer Jewell, and this is Cultivating Place. Every three years, the California Native Plant Society holds a conservation conference discussing the state of native plants throughout our area. The next such conference is being held in late January and early February of 2018 in Los Angeles. Plant scientists, educators, and advocates of all kind will share their enthusiasm and knowledge through workshops, lectures, poster sessions, and field trips. We'll be right back after a break to hear more. Stay with us. This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. We're back after a break to speak more with Dan Glusenkamp and Lee O'Keefe of the California Native Plant Society. Welcome back. Because my audience is uh, generally horticulturally minded, uh, as well as natural history and ecologically minded, talk a little bit about the horticultural offerings at the upcoming conference and what native plant gardening enthusiasts can hope to find. It probably makes sense for Leave to tell you more. This is really her her bailiwick. Okay. So from a you know from a, a gardening perspective, what can participants who are particularly interested in the horticultural offerings mm-hmm. at the at the meeting, what can they hope to find and, and expect to see? Sure. Well, I think, you know, one of the big highlights is Doug himself. I think, yeah. you know, anyone that is a fan of his work um, should definitely, if they can make it, come and hear him because it's a, it's a unique opportunity to have him out in California. And I know he's inspired a lot of um, gardeners out here on the West Coast. If you haven't heard from him, or about him, um, definitely look in his books, um, check in on this podcast if, if Jennifer is able to have him. It's, it's, he's a real treat and really helps connect those dots. Um, I think for any native plant gardeners, the why of it becomes especially powerful. Mm-hmm. The more you do it, the more you get into that why piece. And so I think the conservation conference really connects us with that why. So um, everything from hearing Doug talk to being able to go and learn about conservation issues with native plants um, helps sort of build that bridge between um, that sciencey side and that conservation side and what we can do as gardeners ourselves to make a difference in our suburban and urban environments. And um, the workshops in particular in the two days before the conference offer a lot of hands-on learning for gardeners. We have um, 
everything from a full day workshop with Mike Evans of Tree of Life Nursery on um, planning and developing a native plant landscape for your home to um, tools on, we have a, a really cool workshop that I really am excited about with Susan Krizwicki. She's a former um, horticulture director for CNPS, in fact. Yeah. And um, Susan's workshop is going to be focused on influencing decision makers. So for people that mm-hmm. are interested in seeing more community gardens that are native plant gardens, whether they're parks or schools or in front of your library in your community and really want to be able to make the case for why native, um, this workshop will really focus on that and help people um, get some of the communications tools they need to make the case um, where they live. Um, There's a lot about beneficial insects for gardeners and gardening to address that sort of web of life that I think will be very appealing. And then we also have workshops on using tools like our own calscape.org and other tools like INAT um, to inform what you plant and how you plan your native garden. Um, so a lot, there's a lot there yeah. and even more. So I definitely encourage people to look at the conference preliminary program that we do have um, on the conference website and see what's there. I think if you're really into gardening and really into native plants, this is a re- pretty fun vacation actually for someone to come down, spend the week in LA and go on some of the field trips and the workshops and hear the speakers at the conference. Okay, so outline for us the the dates of the different elements, when the field trips are, when the workshops are, and then when the... Sure, sure. Our, our workshops start on that Tuesday. Um, we also have field trips starting on that Tuesday, January 30th. So Tuesday and Wednesday of that week would be workshops and field trip opportunities. And then on Thursday, February 1st, the conference itself kicks off and that runs the first through the third on Saturday. So um, once the conference kicks off on the first, it's really about hearing those speakers and going to the different sessions where you have a chance to hear. um, And also at the workshops too, you get to hear all the experts in California natives um, at this conference. So it's really a treat that way. Um, And then there's just really fun events that we have too, where we have, um, you know, native plant art contests. We have, um, poetry readings we had that will be focused on native plants and people. Um, we have a music jam. Um, so there will also be a banquet and, and an auction, um, where we'll have lots of good stuff there for, um, nature lovers. And then we even have a native plant, uh, tattoo contest this year. So (laughs) definitely a lot, a lot of fun stuff going on for people as well. And, and that is such a nice emphasis because the fact is most of us are in this because it's fun and we love it and it brings us great joy. And so (laughs) it can get very earnest very quickly. I know I can get very earnest very quickly about conservation and protection and, and the threats and, but really, um, it is the poetry and the music and the fun of it, um, that, that we experience in a garden every day or out in the landscape every day, the music of the birds and the, the bugs and, um, just the beauty that, that is what hooked us to start with. That that's really true, Jennifer. And I think beauty is the word that I always come to. It comes in so many forms. And, and I think that's really, um, a, a connecting point for all of us too. maybe where, where that intersection is with it at a fundamental level is, is beauty. And, and we love this natural beauty and want to celebrate it and enjoy it and be in it. Yeah. 
Okay, so get give us some of the logistics. Uh, it's going sure. to be taking place at LAX or at the LAX Marriott. Yeah, definitely not at LAX. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but so there'll yeah. be plenty of plenty of space and plenty of places mm-hmm. to park and all mm-hmm. of that. Uh, what is the so describe like can you get a pass for the entire thing? Um, how do you choose workshops? Yeah. All of that. Sure. It can it can be very a la carte. You can go on and select to attend just one day of the conference and and specific workshops or field trips you want to attend. Or you can uh, buy a pass for the entire conference. Um, people that are CNPS members have a discounted rate for all of this. So it's a great time to become a member again if, if you have been one and let it lapse or if you've always been interested in becoming a member. There's definite perks this year with mm-hmm. being a member. So um, that's a benefit and yeah you really have an option you can choose the full attendance or or pick and choose what you'd like to attend okay and um i should just point out that it would make a fantastic holiday present for anyone who loves plants in your life right give them a membership give them the preliminary program and say check it out we couldn't agree more jennifer (laughs) thank you so Early registration ends October 30th. When does registration close? Registration closes, I think, on January Yeah, on January 14th. And you could buy tickets even day of, but it's going to be more expensive. Mm-hmm. So if, if you want a discount, I definitely recommend buying those tickets in October. It's a great time. You get the discounted rate. And if you have the, you know, a CMPS membership on top of that, you even save more. Like Dan was saying, students have additional opportunities for scholarship and savings on their rate. Um, and then after October, it goes to our normal conference rate until January 14th. Okay. And will there be any plants for sale oh. or for demonstration? Any Anything like that? I wasn't That's sure. a very good question. I can't imagine a CMPS gathering without plants showing up. So uh, Yeah, I, I so can't either. I will, say, I will say yes, but I wouldn't plan on it being a plant sale. Instead, if people are interested in native plant sales, now is actually where all of our plant sales are kicking off. Mm-hmm. And um, you should really go to the CNPS website, cnps.org, look at our events calendar, and you can find native plant sales near you. Thank you so much for being a guest today on the program, Leave. It was a pleasure to talk to you. And Dan, thank you very much for being a guest on the program today. I am very excited about the upcoming conservation conference. Oh, Jennifer, thank you very much. We all really love your show, and it's an honor to be on it. And thank you for helping us to get the word out. Thanks so much. We really appreciate being here and and all the work you're doing in support of native plants and our beautiful natural world. Dan Glusenkamp is the executive director of the CNPS, and Lee O'Keefe is the director of marketing and communications. They are both dedicated native plant lovers. The CNPS is a large and diverse organization representing a large and diverse group of people and plants who call California home and hope to thrive here for many years to come together. From January 30th to February 3rd, 2018, the CNPS will host its biennial conservation conference this year in Los Angeles. The conference will include lectures, workshops, poster sessions, and field trips. It will also include an audio booth entitled Speaking of Native Plants with me, Jennifer Jewell. 
Join us again next week as the conversations continue on the many ways people engage in and grow from the cultivation of their places. If you enjoy Cultivating Place and value these conversations, please subscribe to Cultivating Place on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, give it a rating and review. Most meaningfully, share it with others who value this level of conversation about these things we love and which connect us. Together, we make a difference. Thank you for listening. Cultivating Place is a co-production of North State Public Radio. The program is made possible in part by the Stanley Smith Horticultural Trust. Our producer is Sarah Bohannon. Our communications coordinator is Casey Gardner. Cultivating Place is distributed nationally by PRX, Public Radio Exchange. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.